appreciate what you're stepping into. Greg was a good friend of mine just from being around the league for a dozen, you know, I've been here around the league 20 plus years. And, and so I know it hasn't been, uh, it's probably been super smooth. What do I know? But I mean, I no, just know. It's not been super smooth. <laughs> <laughs> it has been whatever the opposite of super smooth is. That is uh, no, it's um, you know, Greg, Greg's really uh, extremely well-liked and seems like I, I never met him, but um you know, everybody that, that has seems to really like them. So he uh, was really a, a well-regarded figure. I know I'm sure in the league and the community and everywhere else. So, um, you know, I, I know he was, he was friends with a lot of people. And, and uh, so that's always, uh, anytime you replace anybody is challenging. So but, sure it uh, is. Was somebody that's, that's very well-respected and, and uh, you know, had a lot of friends throughout the, the league and the community, all that stuff. So, um, but no, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot, but you're, uh, you know, I knew what I was stepping into. <laughs> Tell me about your time at Florida Atlantic. I want to, I want to, I'm trying to really get to know you a little bit. Like you were a, a player there and a, and a, I don't know if a volunteer assistant, grad assistant, whatever there, but talk about your time at Florida Atlantic. Yeah. So I actually played NAI ball at, at Weber. And before my senior year, I got hired on, I was such a good player that my coach encouraged me to explore uh, uh, coaching opportunities. I wanted to coach. So. <laughs> I was such a valued member that uh, they didn't they didn't really worry about my senior year, um, but uh, so I I worked a couple camps and, and I worked a camp at Wake Forest and Dave Odom happened to be there and he was friends with a guy named Kevin Billerman and my dad, who was a farmer somehow knew the vice president there and very long story short through a complete fluke of circumstance, uh, they wound up bringing me on as kind of a student assistant because I hadn't graduated yet they were looking for a graduate assistant. They interviewed me in April and they offered me the job in July. So I'm assuming they had to miss on a lot of people <laughs> on me. I, just three months, I didn't hear anything. So uh, my coach was upset I was coming back. And, and uh, but then they, they called off me the job. I knew my career was was in coaching. And like I said, I always thought I was going to be a high school coach. I thought I would coach high school and teach. And, and, and I'd already discussed that that's what I want to do. And my, my college coach told me, you know, you start, you know, JV and work your way up. And, and, and so I was getting my PE degree to be a teacher. And, um, and so transferred to Florida Atlantic. I, I um, you know, did a year there. Um, they didn't have <coughs> uh, PE, so uh, sociology had the most elective. So I was a sociology major and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and barely, barely got through that. And, uh, but it was, it was a really kind of an eye-opening experience in so many ways. I mean, uh, and, and had a, a great year there. Uh, really good staff. Kevin Billerman is still a high school coach at Ravenscroft, North Carolina. Uh, he was great to me. And then, and then he got let go at the, uh, at the end of the year. Um, and so I was kind of scrambling for a job, but he was unbelievable, called people for me and worked to, and I'd only known him, you know, nine months. So I, I'm forever uh, indebted to him. You have to be aware. You we, we were talking a minute ago about anything but smooth. Um, Indiana state hires a division two coach. I mean, that, that doesn't resonate with, wow, we landed the big guy. But your, but your record at LMU was staggering, uh, staggeringly great. And, and I think people, because I, I, I've announced a lot of NAI Division II games myself, I don't mm -hmm. think people understand just how good uh, some of the better Division II schools and programs really are. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you come in, I, I knew that um, when I was hired. And, and I think those are, you know, outside, I guess they're considered outside the box hires. I think um, 
you know, I, I know, I, like I told Sherrard this whole deal, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, going to win the press conference. I, like I said, I always equated. I sold them at the, pre at the press conference. I said, you know, it's like the wedding day, right? You know, the press conference, everything's going to be blissful, full of hope. And there's going to be no turmoil, no adversity <laughs> and gonna be just smooth sailing. And then, you know, the, the, the hard part is the next day, the marriage, right? That's the, the, the commitment over time and the daily commitment to doing things. And hopefully I would be good at the marriage part, if not very good at the, at the wedding. Um, and so, so, you know, I, I, I view it that way. Um, I, I don't think that people necessarily understand how good basketball is at the division two level um, and, and small college level in general, like you said, NAIA, even, even D3. I mean, you know, there, there's good players, uh, good teams. There's no monopoly on, on great coaches, great programs, great players, any level. I think, um, you know, coaching is coaching. Um, there's differences, of course, uh, everywhere. Um, it, it's rare for a coach to jump from uh, Division Two to the Missouri Valley. You know, I understand that. Um, that was probably part of, that was a, a big part of what intrigued me about making the move uh, was the opportunity to coach in, in this league with, with all the unbelievable coaches and programs and a league that's, that's so well-respected nationally and, and so competitive. Um, and, and so, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you look at division two with guys transferring up right now and how many guys are going to, you know, high major levels. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and, and you're, you're seeing that a lot of guys land in power five conferences, you know, we lost one, uh, after the 1920 year, you know, and Cavassier McCauley went to DePaul and, and I don't know how different our season is. Uh, we had obviously a really good year, but probably a little bit better when you have a first team all American in there at 20 plus points a game. So, um, you know, there's really high quality coaches, really good players uh, at the division two level. I felt, you know, in our league, you know, we were really challenged uh, up and down um, year in, year out, game in, game out. And, and I certainly know uh, it's going to be on a grander scale here as, as I step in here at Indiana state, but um, you know, you, you have to, uh, I, I think there's, that's a misconception of people that all, oh, you know, well, if they, you know, everybody playing D2 couldn't play D1. I think that's look at the better programs. Um, you know, most of them can can compete on equal footing. You better be able to 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 compete on equal footing with mid majors and and uh, and win some of those games and be able to play with high majors. The the teams we've been on, you know, when we went down and played uh, Butler, I think it was a you know six seven point game, something like that. And same thing with Florida State with single digits and Tennessee. You know, we didn't get blown out in those games uh, with Division two players, and it wasn't coaching. Trust me. So uh, you know, you have to have good players and and. Uh, uh, I was incredibly fortunate to, to have that over my, my tenure at Lincoln Memorial. We had a guy, the team, one of the teams I was announcing for an NAIA school, we had a guy transfer from Bradley to an mm -hmm. NAIA school, and he had, didn't have a great career at Bradley, but he only, and he was a seven footer, and he averaged like six points and four rebounds at the NAIA school. And I was like, hey, there's not as big a gap as I thought, you know? Right, and, right, right. Yeah. yeah, no, people think that, yeah, if you transfer down, you're going to have this incredible impact you see that all the time and we have schools in our league uh in the south atlantic conference that some of them have seven or eight division one transfers on them and they're middle of the pack or lower third of the league with seven or eight you know d1 transfers on there and um yeah that's another you know just yeah if you go down you're going to have this unbelievable success and be a dominant player the, the gap that exists is not nearly as significant as people would believe i think there's a gap when you get to the you know, maybe the top 25 or 50 programs in America. But once you get past that, uh, it, it narrows significantly. At LMU, uh, 
you had you were 14 they weren't a good program when you got there meaning they didn't win a lot of games and you were 14 and 14 your first year and then you never lost more than nine and i think 20 every year i i, I didn't do all the exact stats highest winning percentage of any ncaa coach in america the last 10 years um tell me a couple of the i don't know foundational stones building blocks that you put in at lmu I think it always, you know, it, it comes down to, to trying to get the right people in, right? I mean, you know, and that was across the board from, uh, it takes everybody pulling the rope in the same direction, it takes alignment from uh, the administration, the community, all the way down. Uh, it's getting the, the, the right kind of people, figuring out and defining, you know, what works for you. Um, what, what kind of players do you want? What do you look for in staff? What do you look for in support staff for being athletic training, strength and conditioning? What are you know, what are the characteristics you want? Um, I think, you know, I, I, I figured out, you know, I'm not, I'm not very smart, but I figured out early that the, the key to success, if you're in a leadership position, is to surround yourself uh, with, with people that are really competent and high character. And, and to clearly define what you look for in players and what you look for in, in the people you're going to surround yourself with and not to really deviate from that. Um, and so we were able to, to land guys that we, we talked about, you know, cut from the same cloth. And I think, you know, we, we had guys who had shared values. Um, we had guys from all different backgrounds and races and urban and rural and, you know, different states and parts and even international. But guys that were cut, you know, generally from the same cloth relative to uh, the values of work and how important that was. We were a division two that we couldn't really take transfers. It was rare for us to get a transfer. So we had uh, high school kids. And if you look at how we did it, we redshirted almost everybody. 95% of the kids came in and stayed five years. So uh, guys that love to work because player development would have to be a central theme if we couldn't take transfers. Uh, guys that, that you know, had, had shared values relates to competition, uh, certainly in and every day against each other and then against the, the teams in our league. And then guys who prioritized winning over everything else because it can get easy to get into uh, stats and accolades and honors. And it takes uh, a different kind of person to understand that winning drives all that. You know, we had, um, you know, most All-Americans, most because we had the most wins, right? Most pros, most All-Americans, most wins. Well, they're all correlated. And guys bought in and sacrificed for that. And, and so I think that was, you know, the foundational pieces of, you know, getting those guys that, that are kind of cut from that same cloth. And, you know, when you're building a team, you know, we had all different kinds of teams at LMU, but I think the, uh, the characters always stood out to me with the, with the really good ones. And this last one was another one that was, you know, uh, excellent, you know, had a, a great capacity for work, elite mental and physical toughness and, and a togetherness and connection allowed them to respond when adversity hit together and they support each other and, and, and the guys on the bench support. So, you know, you have to have guys love to work. You got to have guys, um, who are really physically, mentally tough. And you have to have guys that are high character to have that and sustain that over time. And so we try to clearly define it, um, stick to it, have a process of, of what we thought we could do. And we had to do it a little bit different. We were in a small town of 3000 people. Um, we couldn't really take transfers, so we couldn't do it the way everybody else was doing it. So, um, you know, how do you, you got to figure it out. Right. And, and um, that was the formula we came up with there. It doesn't mean that'll, you know, work here, but, but I think we were able to, um, I think where, where, where this job, Indiana State parallels Lincoln Memorial is it, it's similar in the sense that I think the keys to success at both, and, and it's probably much more alike than I thought 
a month ago when I got here. I thought it was going to be very different, but it's really not like you have to do a great job in evaluation. You have to do a great job of getting those players better because you're probably not getting the guys who are, you know, big time, big time guys. You got to get those guys better. And then you got to create a culture that people want to stay and be a part of because in today's world, you know, so yeah. So, so, so if, if you, if you're, if you're doing a great job of evaluating and you're developing the heck out of them only to feed them up, mm-hmm. to school, you know, then you're always in that same mode, right? So the cultural piece of, hey, I want to be here. I want to be a part of this. Like, I have no doubts. And I don't know, again, I haven't coached, you know, here yet, but like, I have no doubts at Lincoln Memorial had I returned. Every single player would return. You look at Northwest Missouri State, all those guys, mm-hmm. go high major, they're all coming back, right? So that's a culture of, hey, we want to be a part of this. We're not interested in. You know, we love where we are. We love what this program's about. And, and that's special to create that. I think to be successful in the United States is going to be very much in line with, with what we had to do at Lincoln Memorial, much more so than I thought, like I said, when I stepped in here a month ago. Well, you see that at Northern Iowa, they're not having people transfer. Loyola's not having people transfer. SIU's not having people transfer. That, that really is a gigantic deal. It is. Uh, you, <clears throat> you talked about surrounding yourself with good people and the right kind of people, and you immediately hired Matt Graves. Talk about what he brings and the status of the rest of your staff. Got you. No, yeah. I deviated from that when I hired Matthew. He's a horrible <laughs> <laughs> I was. I went, I just grasped straws at that one. You know, we talk about hiring a bad guy. I mean, that was completely away from what I, what I, uh, I was just a guess. But no, Matthew is, uh, he is, he is awesome. Uh, you know, I, I've known Matthew for a long time. Um, you know, I, I had a chance to go down and, and spend time with the Celtics in training camp over a couple of years. And, um, and just that whole Butler group had so much admiration for Brad and Matthew and all the guys that were associated with that um, and, and had so much success. Chris Holtman's a really good friend, that, that whole crew. And um, so Matthew is somebody I, I've known for a long time, been friends with and always admired. I think, um, you know, when I, when I was hired at Indiana State, he was the first person I thought of um, because you talk about those things, the evaluation, the culture. I mean, who did it better than Butler at the mid-major level for a okay. long period of time? And Matthew's one of those guys, you know, when, when I'm looking at assistance, you know, and like I said, for me, you know, not, not being uber intelligent, I have, to, I have to kind of simplify everything down to, to structural, you know, like to, to simplistic things. But, you know, you want somebody with, with great work ethic, high, you know, high, high intelligence, you want somebody in the system that's a great communicator because they got to talk to recruits and players and all that. You want somebody with high levels of humility so they can continue to grow and evolve and become the best they're capable of becoming. And, and they're going to have to do things that are kind of going to be behind the scenes and unrecognized and don't get nearly as much credit as they deserve. And then you need somebody with integrity uh, and the highest levels of integrity because, you know, if you don't have the last piece, then the first three will kill you, right? If you have somebody that's incredibly hardworking, highly intelligent and a great communicator and they're a bad person and that's going to bring the whole thing down. And, and, and so you'd rather have somebody who was not very smart and lazy if they're going to be a bad person. <laughs> you know? So, so uh, Matthew, Matthew is, is, is tremendous. He's tremendous. Uh, and um, he'll do, he'll, he'll do a wonderful job for us. He's, he's uh, you know, so well regarded throughout the college coaching community in the state of Indiana He's going to really help me. Um, you know, he's been a head coach. He sat in that chair for five years at South Alabama. Um, you know, I, I have my biggest learning curve. I wanted people around me that were going to fill my gaps, which there are many, and expedite my learning curve. My biggest learning curve to me is going to be navigating the Division One recruiting landscape. 
building those relationships, particularly in Indiana here in the Midwest, but just navigating the recruiting calendar and how those things work. Matthew's going to help me through all that, um, you know, piece and scheduling, et cetera. So I'm beyond fortunate to have him on board. Um, uh, Kareem Richardson was here. Obviously, he's going to Clemson. Um, and, and so we have, uh, you know, we got a guy who's accepted the job, uh, you know, for, for where, you know, where Kareem will replace Kareem. It'll probably be a couple of weeks before we can announce him. We got a couple other guys to be announced May 1st. Um, and so we, we have our, our staff is complete. Uh, and, and so um, I don't, you know, I can't, I guess, divulge that until they officially announce it. But we, I feel like, um, you know, I couldn't have dreamt up a better staff. I'll say that, you know, I mean, like I couldn't have, when I got the job, if you said, man, you know, just, just pick it. And I, I couldn't have done any better. If I do half as well in recruiting as I did in hiring, we'll be really good. I'm not doing <laughs> as well in recruiting as I did in hiring, but, but I've got an unbelievable staff. And that's, you know, I always say, you know, the, the, the players are the lifeblood of any program, but your staff's your backbone and you got to have a great group of people around you. And um, man, you know, I, I think it's so important when you take a job and you transition, um, you got to surround yourself. You got to hire people and recruit players you can lose with, right? I know that's counterintuitive, but you got to mm-hmm. have people you can lose with um, because that's the foundation for winning. You know, if you can lose and stay together, people you can go through that with, then that's the foundation. You know, I would say adversity and losing are truth serum, right? That's where you really find out who people are. And so I know for sure uh, I've hired a group I can lose with and, uh, and, and I, I trust uh, uh, completely and, and couldn't be more excited to work with uh, with these four guys. Uh, we, like I said, uh, hit that one out of the park. Very cool. Uh, three of your players are coming with you. Uh, Cameron Henry and Xavier Bledson, if I'm saying his name right, and Simon Wilbar. Is that how I say his last name? Yes, sir. Uh, and, and you mentioned all your guys red shirt. All those guys are red shirts, you know, in their various seasons. Um, tell us a little bit about those three. Well, I think, you know, Cam Henry is one that uh, – you know, he comes in, he's, he's been a four-year player, red shirt. He was a starter for three years. Um, you know, it, it's probably was our most versatile guy uh, at LMU, you know, defensive player of the year in the league, you know, six foot six, uh, impactful and winning uh, in a variety of areas, um, can touch the game and impact the game, uh, you know, offensively, can impact the game defensively, uh, terrific passer. Um, this year averaged about uh, a little over 15 points. He's our second leading scorer. He's our second leading rebounder, second assist, first in steals, second in blocks. So just showing uh, he's got he's got great versatility in the defensive end. He's a guy that can play uh, any spot really offensively, and he affects winning in, in so many different ways. Um, Bledson uh, came off the bench for us. He's had a he's a guy that that I just you know really admire. He he started the beginning of his freshman year. We didn't redshirt. He's he didn't redshirt that year. We were a younger team. He played. He started as a freshman beginning of the year. He went from starting as a freshman to completely out of the rotation by the end of the year. He came back for his sophomore year. The other freshman had gotten a little better than he had. And I told him, I said, you're not in our top nine. We're going to redshirt you. Well, how many kids in today's world say, well, you know, eh, I'm out. out. I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> See, I'm in the portal. I'm gone. He stayed. He redshirted, worked on his body, played on the scout team every single day, busted his tail, came back for his redshirt sophomore year a much improved player, led the league in field goal percentage and led the league in assists, only played 20 minutes a game coming off the bench for us, never complained, never whined, never said, hey, I'm transferring, I need more. Averaged over five assists a game, five and a half assists a game and, and shot over 60% in 20 minutes a game. 
So um, he is as high an IQ guy as ever had. It's almost like bringing a coach with you because um, he's, he's so vocal and verbal, but, he, but his, his basketball IQ is the highest of anybody I've, I've had or, you know, right there with anybody I've had in my, my 23 years doing this. So he understands the ins and outs of our system. And, and then Wilbar is one that, um, you know, I, I think his, his ceiling is, is huge. Uh, we've had, you know, fortunate, had a bunch of really good players and guys playing the NBA, Emmanuel Terry, guys in the G League over the last couple of years. Uh, Simon's as talented or more talented than any of them. He's 6'10", 6'11", moves well, shoots the three, highly skilled. He's got to continue to develop, uh, you know, his, his basketball understanding and, and, and in terms of, you know, how we operate. But he's got four years left. Bledson has three years left, Henry two years left. Um, so they give us the, the biggest thing outside of an infusion of talent is uh, we talked about this a lot at LMU was was we thought uh, with the red shirting and the continuity, um, our biggest equalizer or, or our biggest advantage, I guess, was corporate knowledge, right? Corporate knowledge, understanding how we operate. Assistants stayed. They left only for head coaching jobs. Players stayed. Uh, they didn't they didn't leave to, to, to transfer up. And we developed this level of corporate knowledge that allowed us to get in the deeper layers of things. Well, here at Indiana State, you know, we're starting from scratch. Those guys will help in terms of, you know, how we want to operate, how we want to play. They'll bring some understanding of corporate knowledge. Of course, we've all got to adjust into Indiana State. You can't just replicate what we did at LMU here. And it's certainly not going to be an overnight process. But hopefully uh, those three, uh, particularly Henry and Bledson that have been around for a while, will help speed that process up for the guys that are returning. You have some high school guys you signed as well, but uh, the breaking news last week, I think, was Cooper Neese is coming back, which was interesting. And I want to couple that with one day there's a picture on Twitter of your team huddling up or something. And in the background is Tyreek Key. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any thought? I mean, maybe you can break big news here. Is, is, is Key thinking <laughs> about sticking around? And, and, and what was the process for Cooper to stick around? So when I when I came in here and I spoke with with the team, you know, that that first meeting, you know, I, I was I was kind of joking, but wasn't joking. You know, I said I left. A, I told the team on uh, I left that morning on Wednesday morning. We won the regional Tuesday night and Wednesday morning. I walked in and the guys knew already because it had been so public, unfortunately, um, about me going to Indiana State. And I left a group of guys that were, you know, really uh, upset and crying because uh, I was leaving heartbroken because I was leaving. And I walked in that night and there was a group that were crying and heartbroken as I was coming uh, to be their head coach. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, the, you know, it's college basketball. But what I what I told them and the process for Tyreek and the process for Cooper and really every single guy in the program, uh, I, I was going to lay out a vision for what we we're going to do. But I told them before, you know, I chose Indiana State. I chose to come here like I, I made the decision. No one in that room chose to come play for me. They all came to play for Coach Lansing. They all came to be a part of that culture, that philosophy, that style of play, you know, that staff. And so I, I respect that and understood that. And to me, the two boxes that every player that was going to return to Indiana State had to check was one, they had to be bought in to how we were going to operate moving forward and, and, and the culture and the, and, the, and the values and the standards we were going to operate from moving forward they were probably different than what coach Lansing did. Doesn't make different. Doesn't mean better or worse for anything. It just means they're different. And I have to be me. Um, the, the second aspect of it um, was I wanted, so they had to be one of that. The second aspect was they had to, to fit in stylistically to how we wanted to play. Um, 
And again, we're going to play differently than Coach Lansing's teams played. Doesn't make it better. Doesn't make it worse. It just means it's different. And I felt like if they didn't check the first box, but we brought them back, I was doing the program a disservice. And I felt like if they didn't check the second box, but they did want to be a part of it, but they couldn't fit into how we want to play, then I was doing them a disservice, putting them in a situation where they're going to have a poor student athlete experience because they can't, they're never going to get to play. So that was kind of the background of how we approach this with every guy. And so we had, we had meetings and, you know, people, you know, I, I told them and I, I'm sincere in this is, um, you know, you have to sometimes in life, you have to live by faith, not by sight. Right. And whatever I did at LMU, no one here cares. The players, least of all, um, you have to earn people's in, in today's world. Uh, you have to earn players respect and trust and it has to happen over time. And there's, there's things they're looking for to, you know, to, to make sure that you can do that. Um, so with all that being said, uh, there was certain players that went in the portal that, you know, probably wouldn't have because they didn't fit. Uh, there was players that said, hey, I, they would have fit great, but said, I don't want to be a part of it. And I respected that. Um, and there was a couple and Cooper and Tyreek more of a let's take a wait and see approach to this and see how, you know. And, and so, um, you know, Cooper uh, decided he wanted to come back. Um, and, and that was fine. And, and, and we, again, had opened those doors. We felt like Cooper was a good fit. It was really a question of, you know, did he want to be a part of what we were doing? Could he abide by, you know, how we were going to operate moving forward? Um, Tyreek, uh, you know, I just don't know if he's good enough. No, <laughs> I don't know if he fits. I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know if he's good enough. I, I'm really debating. He checks that first box. The second box, if he can fit, I have no idea. So we'll just see. We're going to give him a tryout in the fall. We're going to give him a tryout in the fall. and see There you go. Team, so. um, but, no, I, you know, I, I've tried to uh, give him his space. He is, uh, you know, I, he, he's, he's been at every workout um, in the spring. He is early. He busts his tail. He, he, he's a machine out there. He's an unbelievable competitor. He's a phenomenal kid. Um, you know, he, he loves Indiana state. He's, you know, certainly good enough, uh, to go make money playing pro ball. If you want to put his name in the portal, you're talking about a guy that would have probably, you know, and I'm not even being facetious, you know, Duke and Kentucky and Tennessee and North Carolina, all of them lined up to, to sign him. Um, and so, you know, what we've tried to do is, is just be ourselves. Uh, you know, I'm, person that builds relationships with our players anyway so we've tried to not just with him but with all the guys that either are returning or might be returning uh build that relationship he's like I said he's coming every workout I think he's got a glimpse over the three weeks into you know three four weeks we've been here and how we want to operate um how we're going to run things and you know and then it'll be on him to make a decision as to you know to, to what he wants to do um and and what's best for Tyreek and whatever that is uh, you know, we'll support it. Unless, of course, he doesn't come back and we won't support it. But, <laughs> uh, no, but we'll support him in whatever he decides to do. Um, he is, uh, he, he's earned that. Um, he's got options. Um, and whether that's to, 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 I think right now it's between, you know, does he want to go pro or come back to Indiana State? I think he feels good about, you know, where we are as a program and what we're doing and how we're going about business. And certainly he can come out and make money and does he want to go to grad school and all that stuff. He's got to, figure that out. So um, he'll let us know. Uh, I can assure you uh, we won't give away a scholarship. Uh, he'll have, we'll wait as long as, uh, as it takes for him to make a decision as, as to what he wants to do. And, 
knowing Tyreek as quiet as he is, he'll probably never tell me the way. He'll just either show up in summer school and get to work or he won't. So I'll be, I'll be as surprised as you guys are uh, either way. So, uh, just as, 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 as close to the vest as, as he is, but he's, he's been amazing. And again, Cooper, I think is, you know, he's, he's said he's bought in and, and, and so uh, excited to work with, with, with Cooper and, and hoping to get the opportunity to work with Tyreek as well. Uh, I don't want to keep you super long. Um, <clears throat> so I'm digging in because I don't know you at all. You know, it's our first yeah. conversation. And and uh, and there's a book out there, Born to Coach. It's about you, right? And, <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm just, you know, doing my due kind of Google diligence, you know. And hey, there's a book out there. Talk, talk Tell me a little bit about that book. Well, I just wrote it myself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 it was... It was uh... I mean, it, it was, it's embarrassing to even talk about. I, I had a, a, our SID at LMU at the time who played for me was an unbelievable kid. It is an unbelievable human being. His father, uh, who passed away a couple of years ago, um, wanted to do a book. And, and I, you know, obviously I was mortified because I figure to, to have a book written about you, you either add to A, probably accomplish something of significance or B, have something like incisive or erudite to say that would be profound. And I haven't really accomplished much and I had nothing profound to bring to the table. <laughs> so why anybody would want to write a book about me, may, I have no idea. But because I love Scott and I, his dad's a great guy, uh, I, I agreed to sit down for, for one day. I did about two hours and then they did the, they filled in all the blanks. And so uh, there is a book out there about me. I don't think it has sold a single copy, nor should it. Uh, because there's, there's absolutely nothing in there that anybody would, would want to read or, or learn, or again, you know, you have to either accomplish something significant or have something, you know, uh, uh, significant or profound to say it. And, uh, neither of those situations are true. So, uh, if you haven't read it, which I'm sure everybody listening to this hasn't don't, and, uh, there's, there is, uh, nothing in there that you'll, uh, that you'll get. So, so, but yeah, there was a, the title came out and I was like, I just was, you know, I mean, because because no one's, you know, born, born to do anything, and at least of all coach. I mean, you know, you've been around this a long time and, and you know, everybody knows the simplest truism of coaching is, you know, players win games, coaches can only lose them. And, and that is 100 percent factual. You know, players have to go out and do it. Coaches can screw it up. We can not get in the right positions, not not make adjustments, not prepare them, not, you know, whatever. Um, not make the right substitution, right, right play calls. We can do a lot of things to screw it up. One thing we cannot do, absolutely do, is win a game. We can lose them, can't win them. Players got to go win them. So, you know, that's that's just the way it is. But, yeah, that book is uh, – that'll forever be uh, uh, an albatross around my, my, my neck for uh, forever. <laughs> but I do love Scott and I love his dad, so that's uh, it's, it's well worth it. There you go. Um, before I let you go, two last things. Um, this week, I think you have a coaches meeting. The Valley coaches are getting together. What are you looking forward to there? I don't know if you know any of the guys, any of the head coaches yet. I'm sure, you know, in coaching circles, a lot of guys crisscross don't know no. who you know or don't know. And what are you looking forward to in that meeting? Well, my, I could tell you my D2 circles never intertwined with the Missouri Valley circles <laughs> in recruiting or anything else. So, uh, you know, this I, really what I'm looking forward to is meeting everybody. You know, I have, uh, you know, such incredible respect for the programs and the coaches in this league. And, um, you know, you look at what's been accomplished, not just, you know, this past year, but over the last, you know, few years and decades, you go back and just, um, 
you know, looking forward to getting to, to know those guys and being a part of that fraternity. Um, again, I, I couldn't have more respect for them. Uh, um, I know a couple of coaches reached out when I got the job and sent me text messages and um, uh, congratulating me. Um, and so, you know, I, like I said, I, I think it's, it's a league filled with, with tremendous coaches, great programs. Um, and, and that was a big thing for me, you know, when I came was, was um, if I was going to leave where I was, um, I wasn't somebody that, that, had to go D1 to validate myself or my career would be unfulfilling. I was very fulfilled and validated where I was. Um, it was a combination of a work environment that had to be what I was accustomed to, where I was at LMU in terms of being empowered and supported. It had to be somewhere else that I felt like I could really grow and challenge myself as a coach. And this Indiana State, you know, checked both boxes. And, and that was the, the biggest determination, determining factor in me you know, leaving LMU because it wasn't easy for me to leave. And, um, you know, so, so these coaches, these programs, you know, the opportunity to test myself and compete against them is uh, the biggest reason why I'm here and, and uh, looking forward to meeting those guys on, on uh, later this week. I, I lied. I have two more questions. I said two. Uh-huh. I still have two. Um, I, I deal with players all the time. Everybody, nobody tells me the truth. I've got one more. So don't, don't, don't be concerned at all. No. <laughs> um, you, you talked about, um, stylistically maybe you're different from the way greg uh their systems or their style of play how would you describe your style of play well hopefully um you know i I think probably the the biggest thing that's missed with people uh everybody talks about our offense how many points a game we average is is we led the league in field goal percentage defense 12 years in a row and this last year year 13 we were second and only one year out of 13 did we give up 40 percent from the field and led the nation, I think, four or five times in field goal defense. Uh, I think people miss that, the blue-collar aspect, the defense and the rebounding, uh, because everybody wants to talk about points, right? So, uh, But but our, our defense and our rebounding fuels our offense, um, or at least it did there, and I think that's the way you got to be. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll play with, with uh, you know, with great force, you know, we'll play with great pace. Um, we'll play an unselfish brand of basketball. Uh, we'll be disciplined in terms of taking good shots, in terms of taking care of the ball. Uh, we'll defend with, with, with great effort and toughness and multiple efforts and, and a connectivity on that on the floor. And we'll play together. I think basketball is the ultimate team sport, although people say football. But basketball, I mean, you got to play both ends and everything's so intertwined. Um, you know, I, 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 not that I, I understand people do it. People have offensive and, and, and defensive coordinators in, in, you know, in, in basketball. And, um, but, you know, like, if you have, if I'm the defense coordinator, you have bad offense, you turn the ball over, you can't defend turnovers. So you're pissed at the offensive coordinator. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and if, and if, and if, if defensively you can't stop anybody turn the ball, then that nobody, you know, it's hard to run good offense when the defense is back every time because you never can't get a stop. So, you know, basketball is intertwined, it's tied together. And so you got to be great on both ends, but hopefully we'll play with, with great effort, great discipline, great toughness, uh, unselfishness, connectivity on both ends of the floor, try to play the right way. Um, and, and give ourselves a chance. You know, we, we have a, a long road to hope um, in, in, in kind of building this thing back up um, to, to where it needs to be. And I, I think hopefully, uh, um, you know, we'll get, we'll, we'll have at least from a style standpoint in terms of how we're going to play, um, you know, those parts, the, like I said, the discipline, the unselfishness, guys uh, being connected and playing together on both ends, playing as hard as they, with, with great effort and toughness and discipline possession by possession on both ends will be a great starting point. And I think that's, 
you know, kind of what we, we, we always talked about. Our standard was that at LMU, we wanted to play, uh, you know, every single time we took the floor, we wanted to try to hit our ceiling. And to do that, we thought we had to play with uh, highest levels of effort, execution, and togetherness. If we can do that, we felt like we would give ourselves a chance on a night-in, night-out basis. And so hopefully the same holds true here. I, I knew those numbers about your defensive, uh, you know, acumen, and, and, I, and I, obviously you score a ton of points. So obviously you're going to play with some great pace as well as really determined on the defensive end. Yeah, you're going to have to. I mean, you know, it, it is. I mean, you know, we're joking about it, but I mean, if, you're, if you can't get stops or you can't get rebounds, it's hard to run, right? I mean, it's hard to run in a made basket. So you have to uh, really be bought in there. It has to be a blue-collar mentality. Everything starts. The foundation of the program was defense. Like I said, everybody talks offense. But we do want to play fast. Um, I think the hardest thing to do in basketball is to play transition defense. I think when a team's flying it at you for guys to get matched up and communicate and not have breakdowns. So if that's the hardest thing to guard, it would make sense to be the biggest thing to emphasize on the offensive end. Uh, but with that, you know, you have to balance discipline because just playing fast and taking bad shots or playing fast and turning the ball over 25 times doesn't benefit anybody. So it's, can you play, play fast and loose and disciplined and find that equilibrium in those contrasts uh, to be able to, to, to kind of play the way we want to play. I think if you look at our numbers this year, we were slightly higher um, in our turnovers, but we also were like almost, I think, 22 or 23 assists a game. So those numbers were high too. And we had a lot of guys that were trying to, you know, were really good passers and sometimes try to make spectacular plays. Um, and so our turnovers a little bit higher, but look at a lot of years, you know, we're averaging the mid 90s and 12 or 13 turnovers a game and generally shooting, you know, in the, in the 50s and in the 40s from three and, it's not, um, I think people look at our numbers and think it's more gimmicky than it is. Like we're coming out, we're just shooting 53s and, you know, we're pressing and doing, and that, that's really couldn't be further from the truth. You know, we really, we never press, uh, you know, unless we're down and, and we're half court sound man to man. And, you know, we run, but we try to be purposeful and, and we move the ball and share it. And, and uh, you know, so, so it's not at least, where I sit, not like a gimmicky style where it's going to be something that is, is revolutionary or, or doing that, but it's, you know, trying to play, like I said, uh, uh, really, really with, you know, um, you know, great connectivity on, on both ends of the floor, tying it together and trying to play with that, that discipline it takes to be great defensively and execute on offense. Uh, so finally, tell me about your family. Uh, Natalia, I think is your wife's name. And, and I saw pictures at the press conference of two young men near you. I'm just guessing you have two sons. I don't know anything about your family other, <laughs> other than your wife's name. Yeah, that's it. You, you are, you're spot on. And I haven't, I haven't seen her in a month, so I hope we're still married. Um, so <laughs> I, I go back home and I'm not, then I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. But um, no, I've, I've, I've got, uh, you know, Natalia, my wife is, is, is unbelievable. Um, I always tell people, you know, looking at me, it would not be hard for me to overachieve in marriage. Um, but I, I really did at a high level. Um, she is, she is unbelievably supportive. I have, I have two boys, uh, Jordan, uh, 24, Jaden, 18. Um, and so, uh, had my, my kids younger, um, despite the fact that I look older, but yeah, I was only, I was, they, uh, uh, had them both young and, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, family is, as we all know in this business, I know it sounds kind of trite, uh, but you know, you got to have things that are unconditional, uh, cause so much of, you know, how people interact with you or deal with you is based on how you do and, and or what you do and and um there's very few things uh that are that are unconditional in your life and those have to be the sources in this business of peace and contentment otherwise you're riding that roller coaster 
Um, and, and for me, you know, certainly my faith, my family are, are, are the, the rocks of that. And so I'm, uh, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't blessed in a lot of ways, you know, genetically, metabolism wise, all these other things, hair and any, any of that stuff. But man, you know, with, with family, I, I, I was, I was incredibly lucky. So I'm, uh, the most important piece I got. And, and, uh, again, my wife runs the whole show and I'm, uh, she does, she does an unbelievable job and she'll kind of pour herself into this program when she gets here and, and, uh, be, you know, we're, we're a team and, and I, you know, couldn't, couldn't have picked a better partner. 